Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that doesn't hesitate to grapple with the complexities of the property world. Right back at the beginning of this pandemic, we brought together three of Savills' finest to try and understand what the likely impact would be. There was, of course, a huge amount of uncertainty at the time, but between them, Simon Smith, who's head of Savills Asia Pacific Research, Tris Larder, who's joint head of regional investment advisory for EMEA, and Matt Oakley, who's head of UK and European commercial research, were already getting a sense of investors feeling their way in a new reality. I think people were very have been very reluctant to discount because there's a tendency to believe that this is only a temporary problem. Um, however, more recently, I think a, a grimmer reality has set in. It seems to be uh, investors sort of got different approaches or different assessments of the, of the situations it stands right now. Some investors sort of see risk and others are seeing opportunity effectively. Tris is, is absolutely right. I've spoken to three clients in the last week who are planning on setting up opportunistic funds to try and buy stuff cheap. Let's not forget that property is is always seen as a particularly good safe haven um, in difficult times. Well, four months on, we're putting the band back together, so to speak. Matt, Tris and Simon are all on the line. How are you all? How's the, how's the last th- uh, four months treated you? Well, here we're, we're still governed by a great deal of uncertainty. Um, I think markets are still proving quite volatile. I think the speeds at which people are are emerging or not emerging from the outbreak um, are really quite diverse across the region. Um, We're still here seeing a number of economies struggling to get through this. Um, India, Indonesia, and even Singapore, um, which is seeing sort of around one to 200 cases a day currently, um, are all still fighting their way through this. Yeah. Um, elsewhere, and perhaps more, more interestingly, maybe uh, some economies are seeing a recurrence. Um, I'm sitting in Hong Kong, and Hong Kong over the last week has suddenly seen a, a resurgence of COVID activity, just as we were becoming slightly complacent, even smug. Um, suddenly, out of nowhere, you know, we've seen a new bloom um, of the virus up in the new territories. Australia as well, centred around Melbourne is seeing a, a second wave and Japan as well in Tokyo. Um, so we're by no means through this. Um, still doing well on the positive side, Vietnam, Taiwan, China, South Korea, all seem to have this fairly well under control at the moment, which is positive. And Simon, has activity in, in the property sector uh, changed at all in the last four months? Not really. I mean, Asia Pacific commercial real estate volumes are, are, are down around sort of 45, 50% over the first half of the year. Um, travel restrictions are still in place across the region. So that's, that's still proving to be a limit on sort of cross border trade, cross border capital flows, tourism. You know, this is all still fairly locked up. I mean, cross border real estate capital flows are, are down around 25%. Um, through the through the first two quarters of the year, you know, tourism flows are hitting some economies quite hard, particularly Thailand, which has become um, over the years highly reliant on mainland Chinese tourism, not helping Hong Kong and Singapore either. Um, yeah. So, you know, there are still a number of impediments, even as some domestic economies, you know, begin to to look a little bit stronger. 
at the moment. But the picture is still relatively unchanged in terms of, you know, it's still retail and hotels that are the hardest hit, where volumes are down around 50 to 60 percent, whereas the defensive asset classes emerging are more about logistics, industrial data centers. Um, and if you go to Japan, multi-housing, if you look at Australia, perhaps student housing there. Yeah, there are some of these defensive asset classes which are attracting attention. Sure. But generally, there's still a lot of undeployed capital and far less distress than many um, opportunistic funds would like to see currently. So volumes remain really quite low. And Tris, in Europe, in mainland Europe, when we when we last spoke, we were sort of, you know, even more at the beginning of this than than uh, Asia Pacific was. Uh, have you noticed much change in, in the last four months? It's interesting because last time we spoke, um, a lot of a lot of my investors wanted to speak with Simon because uh, Asia Pacific was ahead of the curve uh, relative to, to, to Europe. And. And so we wanted to draw lessons from what Simon had to say, what was happening in Asia, because we felt, you know, it was going to come through in Europe next. And and that's that's happened. But what we've realized is, I guess, at that point in time, naively, we probably thought there was going to be a, a wave. We'd come through it and things would pick back up again and we'd be back to normal. We now know that, you know, there's different whack-a-moles, flames, blooms, you know, different, different expressions to, to, to describe it. But what we're now seeing is that flare-ups around, around the world and that this is going to, peter on for for a while um so the uncertainty continues and we're definitely seeing that um in that you know very reflective what you see in asia pacific basically um uh drop in drop in investment volumes um over europe there's a sort of 13 percent drop in the first half of this year year on year from last year um but it's but it's it's not uniform across europe so um germany on one end is is still you know is still going strong um down but still you know still a lot of activity going on in the investment market uh, relative to some of the southern european countries that have have fared uh, worse basically um so it's there's still uncertainty still uncertainty for for investors and on the occupational side um but it feels um on on the you know to take use simon's expressions on the on the on the positive side we are seeing a renewed activity um and a lot of buyers back in the market. Uh, that's one of the things that we really noticed is that the buyers are back first. Um, and it's really the vendors that are more cautious at the moment. Is it the right time to put your building on the, property, on the market or not, basically? Yeah. Matt, we can usually rely on you uh, for a, a dose of realism and then long-term positivism. I, I don't know whether there's, <laughs> how much of those are words, but you know what I mean. Is, how are you feeling right now? Um. I think I completely echo what, what both Simon and Tris said. You know, it, it is very patchy. There isn't a uniform story across Europe. There are, there are markets like um, like Germany that had, you know, re- similar levels of, of transaction activity in Q2 to Q1. There are markets um, like Sweden, Denmark, Switzerland, where actually Q2 was more active than Q1. Um, even in the UK, which is probably the market that, that's most down um, year on year, um, the UK investment volumes down about um, 43% year on year. Second quarter was down 68% um, on the same quarter last year. We seem to, I think we've, we've sort of hit the bottom because June uh, was 42% up on May. Um, so, you know, definitely glimmers, glimmers of sunlight out there. Um, no real surprises because the other markets are now capable of functioning. 
Um, mm. And I think, you know, I was probably more pessimistic about, you know, European investment activity this year when we last met than I am now. I don't think it's going to be as bad. This year is going to be as bad as the sort of nadir of the global financial crisis. It's interesting that you, you know, four months ago, you were all sort of predicting that the, the buyers would be around a bit. Uh, now you're saying that the buyers are coming back, or Trish is saying the buyers are coming back faster than the, than the sellers. Who, who is back in the market then? Is it sort of across the board, or are there specific types of potential buyers around? Um, well, I, you know, looking sort of pan-European, the cross-border activity is, is still taking place. And sort of, you know, so far this year, you know, about 47% of all the deals have been cross-border. But I think what has really changed is is how far those cross-border investors have travelled. You know, most of it is is within the European region um, rather than rather than heavy inflows from Asia-Pacific, which was the story of, of recent years. American buyers, you know, still pretty active on, on the opportunistic end. Um, but, um, you know, definitely... I would say there's probably been a slight swing towards private um, investors this year um, who perhaps maybe have had less arduous um, compliance systems in place um, and maybe a, you know, a bit of quietening definitely on the institutional side. But um, institutional investors still looking. Um, they just have more, more hurdles to jump over to do a deal. And Tris, in you know, with the, your clients, the people you're talking to, is it a sort of normal market? You're, you're saying that there are some buyers around but no sellers. You know, what that would normally do, I guess, is 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 push up prices. Or is it doing that, or is, is it just not that sort of a market, not a proper market at all? Um, <laughs> there are. It's not that there are more that there are buyers and no sellers. There are there are sellers. There's just not enough of them. Um, so it's not. It's not pushing up pricing, but what's interesting is, you know, last time around when we spoke, um, we, we said that there was going to be a, uh, a flight to, to core, and that's exactly what's happened. Um, there's also been a flight to long leases. Um, and, and as we said, there's sort of been difference between countries. So what we're seeing is um, uh, owners of core or long lease properties are still marketing them because there is practically no price differential from pre-COVID to today. Um, and you can understand why, because from the buyer's perspective, if you're buying a 15-year lease to a government tenant, what is your risk? Uh, you're you're going to ride through the current crisis, basically. So um, we're seeing a flight to those types of assets and very little price difference. Um, the, the product that has disappeared from the market um, in, in a big way is the product that is maybe more more conditional on the occupational markets because, you know, particularly in offices, there's lots of questions around the occupational markets and where those are going. Simon, is there a concern from your point of view about what's happening in terms of global relationships and the sort of trade tensions and, and in fact, just not trade, other tensions between China and a lot of the rest of the world? Yes, I mean, I think since, since we spoke last guy you know as as is often the case with covid you know it appears to have behaved as something of an accelerator in terms of certainly the deteriorating um relationship between china and and the us um and that is just adding you know one more strain of uncertainty to to what's going on currently it's also causing capital to perhaps um look a little bit more broadly around the region perhaps now 
the appeal may be more in areas like Taiwan or Singapore. Matt, when we talked uh, four months ago, you and Tris, I think, were both saying uh, that, uh, you know, we're talking about home working and how that might change, you know, long term as well as short term and everything. Do you think there's a a fundamental reassessment uh, of of the whole commercial property sector to be had here i mean obviously retail and office space in particular but 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 generally as well i think as, as tris said earlier we're probably seeing more continuation of some trends that we were talking about pre the crisis that than any any necessarily dramatic change you know um it felt like at the beginning of the year every investor would had a sort of bed and shed strategy and, and it feels like they all still do um Retail, I think, you know, there were, were potentially selective buys coming through in an opportunistic way. And, and you might argue that we've perhaps fallen in love a bit more with our local high streets than the sort of super regional malls because they're, they're more um, sort of social distancing friendly and you can walk to them. Um, the big question for me still lurks over the office sector, which is traditionally that the sector of the market that has always bounced back first in, in investment terms after a crisis. It's, it's seen as big and safe and dull um, capital city offices. Uh, and certainly some investors, I would say, are sort of pausing and considering whether the way we work is going to change. Um, that having been said, um, you know, offices by far the most active segment of the European property market in, in the first half of this year, you know, nearly 50 billion of euros of turnover. So I don't think anyone is falling out of love with offices. It's just a question of uh, investors are, are asking sensible questions about the home working thing. And I don't think we will have sensible answers to that for another 12 months. Yeah. And Tris, do, your, do the people, your, your, do your clients, do you think they've got a, a good handle yet on, on, on what all this means? I mean, there's lots of people do, doing comparisons with the, you know, with the global financial crisis and saying it's not like that or it is like that or the, in, in different ways. Do, do you see that your clients have now come to a sort of some sort of consensus of what this is all about? There's definitely no consensus. People have different views. Investors have different views. But um, but I'd, I'd say I'd say the, the, the takeaway is just there is a, still a lot of equity out there, um, and still chasing offices and, and chasing other sectors, um, and that want to invest that have cash on account that that needs to be invested. Um, uh, you know, one of the we were touching on it a little bit earlier in terms of the the, the cross border investors, and, and Matt's absolutely right that that they, they're traveling less far, let's put it that way, and that, and that we're seeing some of the big German funds are, are you know, still buying uh, good quality, big office buildings like the Silver Tower, for example, recently in Brussels that Decker bought. Um, we're seeing the big French funds, the retail funds have raised, you know, a lot of equity and are continuing to do so and are investing you know, heavily into, into income deals in France, but also uh, across borders in, in Europe. Um, so, it's still going on. There, there is no consensus, though. On the on the office piece, I mean, I just know from a personal perspective, um, working from home with young children, it's just just not feasible long term. You know, I, I think that there's, is there a future in offices? Absolutely. Um, from the investment perspective, it just means that there's been some uncertainty around the occupational side. And, and I think we need a bit more clarity on that. You know, that, that investors need to feel comfort on 
what they apply in terms of ERVs, rent frees, you know, voids, etc. Um, and once that settles that settles down a bit, you know, absolutely, I can see it all sort of firing back up again. But but I don't think you know. I think it will take a bit of time um, because because as we touched on at the beginning of the podcast, is you know these these flare ups that it's not a, a wave that we go through. And you know, obviously, if some vaccine is 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 we come up with some vaccine which that which is then distributed across the world magically in the next sort of twelve months, then then obviously see all that goes out the window and, and probably back to um, back to where we started but um uh without that if the flare-ups continue etc we, we can see this uncertainty continuing but but ultimately what it comes back to is there is equity to invest and it has to be invested now four months ago we, th- we decided that it, it wasn't really right to try and do a savile standout statistic uh but i think we can now i think we're the new normal uh, allows for a Savile standout statistic from from all of you. Where should we start? Should we start in um, Should we start in Hong Kong with with Simon? Simon, have you got a Savile standout stat for us today? Well, in these sort of rather dark times of doom and gloom, guy, I was just thinking that um, recently a recent survey suggests that uh, around two thirds of real estate funds in Asia Pacific are still unallocated. Um, so there's a great deal of dry powder still out there. We haven't seen the levels of distress yet that we're expecting. Um, so I can see a lot more activity in coming through, I think, in the second half of this year. Yeah, gosh, that's really interesting. That's a lot of dry powder, isn't it? Uh, Tris, how about you? What's your Savile standout stat? Well, I thought about this and I think my, mine's going to be 5%, which is um, uh, sort of average price difference we're seeing pre-COVID to post-COVID um, currently. Um, which, which sort of goes against what we were saying four months ago, because because four months ago we were sort of saying that you know we could see a lot of the uh, a lot of the, the buyers getting excited about you know lining up discounts etc. Which which just you know as, as Simon says in Asia Pacific we've seen the same in Europe, but we just haven't seen that distress come through yet. So um, there hasn't been much price differential, uh, which to me has been very surprising because I, I, I thought. Um, with the world on pause, there was going to be uh, there was going to be more discounts to come through, but it hasn't happened. Yeah, Matt, what about you? What's your Savile standout stat? And we're going back to your question about perhaps changes in the in the way we work in the office, Guy. I think my stat is is four point two percent, which was the um, office vacancy rate across the whole of Europe at the end of the first quarter. <clears throat> which, while it's not a record low, is one of the lowest levels ever. So I think. Even if there is some change to come in the office market, um, we are uh, have went into the crisis with a very low vacancy rate. So the impact on rents uh, should be um, less than we've seen in previous crises. Fair enough. Yes, interesting. Uh, thank you all very much for your wisdom. It's fascinating to sort of take the temperature four months on from from when uh, when we last spoke, which was the most successful, the most listened to episode of Real Estate Insights ever. So hopefully this one will will break that record. And maybe we should uh, maybe we should make it a regular date. The four of us, maybe in four months' time, when we're sort of in, I don't know in the run up to Christmas, we should do it all again. Thank you, as I say, for your wisdom and for your time. That's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. Uh, if you aren't already a subscriber and would like to become one then please feel free to do so using your usual podcast provider you'll get uh, future episodes delivered to you automatically and you'll be able to listen to all sorts of episodes going backwards as well in the meantime thank you very much for listening see you next time this podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice 
Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.